Last week, Tesla delivered their first semi-trucks to customers. This full-size Class 8 electric truck can travel over 500 miles, even while fully loaded. This is a great solution for a huge problem. But even if we started replacing all diesel trucks tomorrow, there are over 2.5 million of them on the roads in the US alone. And they're built to last over 15 years. Today, we're talking to a company that's looking to electrify the existing fleet of diesel semis, and they're looking to do this in a way that you might not have thought possible. We're speaking to CEO and founder Matthew Sabatini, who's developing a system for strapping an electric backpack onto single axle semis, turning them into fully electric or hybrid powered machines. All right, well, we're so lucky to have with us today the co-founder and CEO of Tandem, uh, Matthew Sabatini. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's good to be here. So when I came across your company, it was from one of our viewers. They sent us this thing and I was like, that can't be real. So I showed it to Jesse and he was like, maybe it's real. I was like, is that real? <laughs> it, it's really cool. Um, can you explain what it is we're looking at right now? Definitely. So Tandem created the Tandem Centaur. Um, basically what it is, it's an attachable EV for semi-trucks. We started about three years ago. So we were on the road with our first prototypes for semi-trucks about a year and a half ago. Um, so it's you know very real. And from the beginning, you know, my co-founder and I, we both got our CDLs so that we could drive semi-trucks, you know, and also so that we can understand it from the driver aspect. All right. So talk us through how it works. Yeah. So there's a there's a really powerful electric motor in the back, and then the stack in the front is the battery stack. So it's not actually filled with batteries. We're a hybrid approach. So you can kind of think of it as your personal hybrid vehicle. There's a fuel source, and then there's also batteries. There's an electric motor, and there's also the traditional drivetrain. So in normal operation, you have your diesel semi-truck. They can have you know over a 1,000 miles of range. Uh, we're adding 75 miles of all electric range in our base model, and we're adding up to 250 miles of all electric range to our long range model. So basically what we can do is we can toggle back and forth between an electric mode or a diesel mode. And we also have the ability for them to work um, at the same time. So, I mean, okay, I've seen batteries, I've seen electric motors. I know that the, those two things work. Uh, what I have not seen before is a thing that hooks onto the back of a semi truck that is then the back of a semi truck. How does that part work? One of the great things about you know the industry that we're we're working on for this is that it's you know the same across every semi truck it's the same across every trailer that's the reason you're able to hook up to any trailer with any semi truck but the the key piece that we work on is making sure that they're rigidly connected uh you can't have two points of pivoting for this to really work correctly you could have an articulated system but ideally you want them to be rigidly connected you want your single axle truck to be turned into a tandem axle truck and essentially we're adding you know, that extra axle. Tandem axle trucks are very popular. Single axle trucks are, you know, the next po most popular. So anywhere that a tandem axle truck works, uh, you know, a tandem, tandem truck will work. Okay. So there's two questions in my mind. The first one is how do you support the weight of the trailer on this thing? And then secondly would be like, how does tire alignment work? And like, it just seems like, it just seems like it shouldn't work. So like, how, how does it actually like connect in a way that you take care of those two problems. So weight distribution is really important in the semi-truck, the class eight industry. So basically what happens is there's different points where you can shift, you know, 
what are t- traditionally called your tandem axles, which are on your trailer. You can shift them to change your weight distribution between the tractor and the trailer. So what we do is we allow you to change the position of your kingpin, which is the actual locking mechanism that goes into the, the back of the tractor. Um, and we can also change the position of our top plate, which is where the trailer connects into. So weight distribution, we're able to share the weight pretty well, actually, between our axle, and we're able to put some weight on top of the truck axle as well. So you've got all that customization, the same as you would without our product, um, in terms of weight distribution. In terms of actually connecting, we've got a few different points that we connect in. So the first one is like we were talking about that kingpin uh, and the top weight. So that's where all of the load is transferred from the tractor to the, the Centaur and from the Centaur back to the trail. Very standard, we're using the same kingpin, the same top weights. In terms of that locking mechanism and sharing the weight, uh, that's you know something that we've been working on for the last couple of years. So we've got a couple of ways of doing it. And right now, you know, we're testing between a few of them, but we're pretty set on, you know, which ways that we're going to go. How long does it take for the typical truck driver to back up into your unit and and hook it all up? So we can do it in like a couple of minutes, but I would say we, we'd say that someone that's new, we'd leave about five minutes to do it. That's it? That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. If you're hooking up to a trailer itself, you can hook up to the trailer in just a couple of seconds. The pieces of information that you need beyond that is you need to check that your trailer is properly connected. You go into the trailer traditionally and you make sure that the locking jaws have gone around it. And then there's airlines that you have to connect and there's electrical connections that you have to connect. So in terms of actually hooking up rigidly, you know, that's pretty easy, but there's a lot of, you know, checking and electrical and airlines that traditionally goes on in class A trucks. So we're adding just a couple of pieces on top of that. Okay. So, I mean, I get the electrical for like, you know, the trailer brakes and uh, the, the trailer lights. Um, but uh, how do you take a truck and tell your system, hey, I need electrical power right now. Mm-hmm. Do you, do we need to rip the whole truck apart and put in new pedals and all sorts of new gadgets and gizmos? So we've got two ways of doing it. We do have a wireless connection that we use, but we've also wired in a fourth connection. So there's two airlines. There's a blue and a red line, and then there's the green electrical line. So we've actually wired in a fourth connection on our tractors. However, we can do this wirelessly, but we're offering both because we understand that, you know, there might be some safety concerns, you know, on the wireless side, but also if you have a wired connection, you might want to have the wireless as a backup. And so what goes on in the truck? I mean, I'm assuming that you, that, is there just like an extra plug on the side of the, on the side of the gas pedal? I, do they have that? In terms of what trucks already have, there's a lot of ability to tap into the trucks. And then taking it one step further, every truck on the road has to have what's called an electronic logging device. So this standard for being able to talk to the truck, interact with the truck and get information from the truck is, you know, system-wide across the United States. Uh, In terms of what we do, as I mentioned, we do go wireless or wired, and we do have a display that goes in the tractor, similar to, you know, attaching a really fancy GPS to your truck. I don't understand any of this, so just walk me through it. I get into my diesel truck. I put my foot on the accelerator pedal. How does the tandem system know that I want to accelerate. So we've got our own, you know, graphical user interface, but in terms of the different modes from a higher level, you know, forget what it actually looks like from the top level, we've got the ability to go completely electric or completely diesel. The one thing I'll mention is that the diesel engine is always going to be idle. We don't shut off the diesel engine. It's not like a, 
you know, your personal vehicle hybrid. And the reasoning behind that is because the air system for the truck, there's an air compressor that runs off of the, the diesel engine. The cost to replace all of those systems and make them full electric would actually cost more than the Centaur itself. So that 5% of diesel that you're still using by idling, we say, you know, you're going to have to just keep that. This is a, this is a solution. We don't want to uh, overcomplicate things. So it stays idling. 95% all electric or you're all diesel. And then in between, we've got a system that enables us to do both at the same time. I wouldn't say that you're going to see that in city operation. You'll see that more over the road on the highway. If you want to make use of both, you need more traction, more you know, force going up a hill. You can make use of both at the same time. Okay. So this is, I mean, really interesting. I'm learning a little bit more about semi-trucks. Um, so it basically, it sounds like a semi-truck is a little bit more able to be kind of tinkered with compared to like your regular car. If you took just a regular old like Toyota Camry and you were like, I want to have add a, another <laughs> axle to it, hooking into the system would be a lot harder because it's consumer grade. They don't add any extra ports. They don't really want you to do any of this kind of stuff but with a truck. You're saying hooking into all of this sort of stuff is kind of common. I think the reasoning for it be maybe more accessible and accepted is that in the, the fleet space, you've got companies that own tons of these vehicles and they need to make modifications to the truck. So whether that be a regulated electronic logging device all the way up to autonomous trucks. So to take this one step further, the reason that you're seeing the ability to tap into trucks and cars more, autonomous companies have kind of been paving the way. You see a lot of autonomous vehicle companies, they don't make their own car always per se, they're tapping into someone else's car. The same thing is going on in the truck space. So this ability to work with the truck's computer, work with the car's computer, a lot of companies have really paved the way for us over the last five to 10 years and having those conversations with you know, manufacturers. And they've also created you know, a pool of people that know how to how to do those things from a software perspective. Okay, so I'm a trucking company. I hear about this and I'm like, this could be awesome. Save me some money. Talk to me about what kind of money I could save. How much does this cost to do? What you know? What what are the 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 trade offs for doing it this way? So from a upfront cost perspective, I'll tell you about the trade offs. New trucks can run 150, 250, or more thousand dollars. New battery electric trucks are you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, but there's a lot of tax incentives that help bring that down. Our solution is, you know, about $50,000. So that's just because we're an attachment, you know, we're not building you an entire new truck. So it's not like we have some secret battery technology. It's just because we're going to the back of your truck. In terms of daily use, electric is a huge total cost of ownership benefit. So if you've got access to cheap electricity, which a lot of these fleets do, they're industrial customers, they're commercial customers, uh, you'll be saving 45 to 50 cents per mile. These tractors do 100,000 miles per year on average. Some do more, depending if you're you know, going over the road or if you're in city operation. So those numbers really start to add up quickly. And then one more piece of savings that we have is that because we have an electric motor and battery on the back, you're putting a lot less strain on the host truck. So there's a lot of savings that come from not wearing out your brakes, not wearing out your air compressor, you know, not wearing out the actual engine of the tractor. So the fuel savings are king, but there's a couple of other pieces that play into it. Okay. I just heard two big things there. I heard a potential return on investment in one year, like 
it seems like, especially if I put like 100,000 miles on my truck. The other thing I heard was, is it possible that you could use regen braking with your system? Yes. So we do have regen braking. The regen brakes are what comes on first, but should you be going into a hard stop, we do have traditional air systems in our axles as well, because you need that as a backup also for batteries full. Um, but yes, if you're doing city operation, the range estimates that we provide, you'll be doing much better than that uh, because you'll be able to charge you know, during that start-stop operation. And, and just to keep on the regen braking piece for a second, mm -hmm. I imagine that brakes must be a huge maintenance expense for trucks because uh, normally there is only one type of braking, which I mean, I well, guess no. I guess there's some engine braking. You're right. And there's Jake brakes and stuff like that. Right. So, so talk to me about that because um, I live next to a highway and uh, let me tell you, I really hate trucks because um, they're constantly going by blasting their jake brakes you know i get it it's a way to slow down a truck with air as opposed to friction and now you need to replace that that piece could this kind of do away with a bit of that jake braking so because we're dealing with you know larger orders of magnitude batteries than personal vehicles you're also dealing with harder brake applications but i'll, I'll tell you that we don't traditionally run into the problem of having a full battery being the issue of not being able to use the regen so we pretty much always use regen. It's really that hard stop that you can't fix. If there's an emergency situation, you're going to have to use all of your braking systems. During traditional operation, you know, a semi-truck driver, you're dealing with 80,000 pounds. I'm not tailgating somebody. So I'm not traditionally going into situations where I have to do an emergency stop unless it's an emergency. So I'm pretty much always using regen with this system. And because we can attach to the back of existing semi-trucks, I think you do see the possibility of, you know, removing some of that noise so let me talk a little bit about some of the other benefits of uh having a hybrid truck um, beyond just the electrical one and that would be for you know cities and basically everyone around the truck i've seen trucks start up from a stop and it's usually pretty smoky so you said that there is two different modes that you can have. There's kind of the hybrid mode where it's going to be running um, in tandem with the diesel. And then there's a full electric mode. Are you going to be turning those on and off depending on what you're doing? And then what are the advantages of both? So right now, you know, in our testing and when we have people come by to test it out, basically those two modes, we're, we're still going through the process of piloting those and on-road testing. In the future, we'll move to a, what we call an integrated mode where this will operate similar to a personal vehicle. So we'll be completely tapped into the truck's computer uh, and they'll be talking to us as well. And then there will be no driver intervention. The driver can just operate normally. You know, they won't have to think about the Centaur. But as for right now, the benefits of using all electric mode is that, you know, 95% diesel savings in terms of fuel and emissions. And in terms of the hybrid mode, you know, less driver intervention, I would say. In the hybrid mode, you know, the Centaur is doing a lot of the thinking about, you know, when you should be using electric mode versus diesel. In the latest uh, Inflation Reduction Act, there's lots of incentives for EVs and stuff. Do you know if your system would qualify for any state or federal incentives? So we are talking to a bunch of different states about it right now. One thing I'd note there is that we definitely don't fit into the existing regulation now. But the one thing I would say there is that the cost of this is very low and you can make it work from an ROI perspective without any incentives. And then in terms of future regulation, we are working on some solutions that allow you to turn some of your auxiliary systems into net zero. And we are having conversations about fitting into incentive programs uh, that would work there. But traditionally, the incentive programs do offer them more for the battery electric trucks that cost $400,000, $500,000 
And those incentives are really to make those scenarios come down into the, you know, twos or threes. Now I'm curious because in the beginning of the interview, you said that you, you just got your CDL. I kind of thought maybe like you were driving trucks for your whole life and that's where you got this idea. So I'm really curious, where did you get this idea from? I got my CDL, uh, I think a little over a year ago. So, you know, you're right. I'm new to driving trucks. Um, but this idea kind of came from, I had this old Jeep Grand Cherokee and I had a really big V8, you know, engine in it. And I didn't understand why there was no hybrid heavy duty trucks. We're seeing some of them now, right? We're seeing some hybrid or battery electric trucks. So we built our first prototype that connected into the back of that Jeep Grand Cherokee. It was three years ago. It was early days in the garage and we were pushing around the Jeep Grand Cherokee with a very early tandem. The idea kind of came from, I wanted that, you know, pickup truck with a hybrid, but I also wanted the big engine. And really what we saw is that there was a big opportunity to reduce emissions and save diesel costs in a big way in the class eight vehicle space. So we just jumped right up, got working, put one on the back of a semi truck. I got to be honest, when I first heard your idea, the reason why I thought it couldn't be true is I thought it was too good to be true. Um, because I was like, this seems to solve a lot of the problems. Like you said, there's already trucks out there, so I don't have to buy a new truck. And this makes my truck pretty much electric if I want it to be. And I was like, so this can't be real. Well, I guess what I'm wondering now is now that I'm finding out it is real, is what is the total addressable market for this? I mean, this seems like it could be a huge, huge business. Definitely. And I think one of the reasons you might say, is this too good to be true is because of the, the market that we'll talk about. There's no one size fits all solution. Battery electric trucks are taking over ports or, you know, uh, yard trucks because it's you know easy for them to do that. Uh, over the road trucks will be the last to see battery electric semi trucks because they're very long range. Um, so basically our market the first market that we're going for are called single axle day cabs. These are tractors that do a lot of local pickup and delivery, short haul routes. They're doing deliveries to your supermarkets and things like that. So that's our first market. And then in terms of the total addressable market, there's two and a half million of these trucks in the United States, uh, semi trucks. And then in North America and Europe, there's close to 10 million. So this is a huge problem that has to be solved and has to be solved very soon. And I'll tell you what, the only solution right now is carbon credits. And that's not a long-term solution. Battery electric trucks are coming. They're a great solution. But again, we're going to need some solutions that you know solve it in the next 10, 20, 30 years. It sounds like you're in kind of the early stages, still trying to figure out like some of the last minute kind of details on this. When you get to the point where you think you've nailed it and you're ready to start mass production, I can only imagine there'll be a lot of people signed up to, to buy it. Are you going to be producing it yourself in your own factories? Or are you going to partner with someone else that's going to make it with you? What we're doing right now is we're doing the assembly ourselves. We do have a lot of commercial off-the-shelf parts that we're able to purchase. So we're not manufacturing everything per se. And then in the future, we'll continue to, you know, outsource some of those parts. I'll say that, you know, the assembly, because we're not installing an entire cab with driver systems, you know, heavy driver safety systems, we're really just doing, you know, the drivetrain connecting into the back of the truck. I do see a possibility for us to continue assembling this in the future. But we've had conversations with contract manufacturers that could potentially take it over in late 2023 or 2024. Now, where are you as a company? Because I know a lot of people watching right now are investors and they might be like me going, this sounds like a pretty good company to potentially invest in. Um, are you at, at a private funding round? Are you thinking of going public at some point? We are privately funding. So, you know, feel free to visit drivetandem.com and reach out. Uh, I'm happy to you know have those conversations. 
I do do a lot of pitches with investors, a lot of great conversations, and there's a lot of great investors in the clean tech space as well. So. Um, and then I'm curious about your thoughts about companies like Tesla with their Tesla Semi coming out. Uh, Jesse and I are on the list to get one. We were even debating whether we should get our CDL as well. And so what are your thoughts on battery electric class eight trucks? I think you should definitely get your CDLs. And if you just get your permit, I will happily come and sit in the passenger seat so that you can drive. Um, I would love to you know, get in the cab as well. I've been around some battery electric trucks, some alternative fuel trucks. So I think it's all exciting. And as I mentioned before, there's different segments of this market. So I, I can't tell you that the Centaur is a solution for every single semi-truck out there. That's just not true. And the battery electric truck manufacturers should be saying the same thing. So I'm very excited for what's to come, uh, you know, really from everybody. So I have a couple more like questions that like if I were a trucker, I'd kind of be like, Ugh. and one of them is uh, the DMV. You know, we're trying to register like an electric motorcycle right now. And I know the Massachusetts DMV is is the worst, the most ancient one. They don't know that this electric motorcycle exists. And so they won't register it. So I guess my question is, does this need a special plate? Is it a vehicle? Does it just a modification and you don't have to worry about it? Like, how does like literally where do you put the plate on <laughs> on this truck? And do you need to take it off and then put it on your other one when you take this off? Certainly in the beginning. That was a hard thing for us to deal with over two years ago. Now we're registered in a few different states. The license plate really goes in the same place as your tractor, your trailer would. Uh, so we've got one in the back between the, the wheels and the lights. Does it have a different license plate than the truck that it's attached to? Or is it just part of the same truck? It's like if you put, you know, a bigger engine into it or something. It definitely has a different license plate in terms of how they register it, you know, it kind of depends where you're registering it, but you know, you can register it as a trailer or a powered unit. It kind of depends on if it's going to be permanently fixed to the tractor. If it's permanently fixed to the tractor, then you have the ability to potentially not have to register it different than the tractor. But because the center is attachable and detachable, um, we were talking about ROI before you have the ability to take your Centaur off and use it with different trucks. So I'll dive a little bit here into a, a different question, but the reasoning behind why we're different than upfitters or retrofitters is that it is removable. There's a lot of downtime in the class eight industry. There's a lot of trucks that might get stuck on the side of the road or need repair. And people don't traditionally want to invest money into a truck that they're going to sell in a year or that has that downtime. So because the Centaur can come off, if your truck needs to go down for a couple of days, you can just put it on another tractor. In the time that you've been testing this, do you have like videos, kind of testimonials from drivers who've used this and can kind of speak to what it felt like as a trucker to, to use it? We do. We've got a couple of them on our website and I've got a bunch more that I'm looking to put out there. In terms of what we've heard, a lot of the concern comes from how is it going to drive? And what I'll tell you is that if you're familiar with driving a tandem axle truck, what we've done is we've taken your single axle truck and turned it into a tandem axle tractor. So we've demonstrated this with some videos that are on our website as well. We're, we've tested turning radius. There's also some concerns about length. We add about four feet to the back of your tractor. It still fits within all the existing regulation. And because we're not adding length to your trailer, that is the main reason about why we fit into the regulation. The, the major regulation in the United States comes from trailer length, 
and also the amount of weight that you're putting on each individual axle. And so basically you don't reduce the amount of weight I can haul. I can still max out my trailer. So we, we do reduce the amount of weight because you need to keep it under a certain weight. So the one thing is that in the United States, you're allowed to carry an extra 2000 pounds if you're pushing, you know, electric motors or natural gas. So our base model weighs about 2,500 pounds. So because of that fact, you lose 500 pounds of payload, but you know, in terms of what we're seeing from the battery electric market, that's a fairly good figure. It's certainly a problem that truckers always ask about and certainly fleets can't always afford to lose that extra weight. I'm thinking about, you know, other benefits and, uh, you know, I mentioned I live near a highway and, uh, on top of the Jake braking, there's always a diesel truck parked on the side of the highway because they're constantly breaking down. So you said that this is going to reduce the strain on both the brakes and also the, well, the rest of the drivetrain of the truck, because now it's no longer, you know, trying as, as hard as it can yeah, in, in some certain situations. Life to the diesel truck itself. Yes. And not only adding that life, we are seeing a lot of interest from companies that sell secondhand vehicles, auction companies as well have been interested. So the potential not only to extend the life of your vehicle, but in the secondhand market to be able to take a vehicle that maybe has 400,000 miles on it, that might be a little less you know, interesting without this product and turn it into a great vehicle. The semi-truck market you know, you see trucks that go 700,000 miles easily, you go into the million miles, and then you can repower your engine and go even further. So long life is a big factor in this space. So then if the engine conks out and I'm on the highway, uh, but I have this tandem backup electric uh, thing, can I kind of limp off of the highway or, or, or limp to somewhere that's a little bit safer. There's definitely certain scenarios where you can keep going with the Centaur without the host truck. I would say that a lot of the really essential systems, including the braking system, the primary braking system are dependent on that air compressor that come from the engine. So there are certain scenarios, but I, I would only advocate that if you're familiar with all of these different systems and you know which ones you still have available. Now, we've been talking a lot about fleets here, but there's a lot of independent trucking companies, and I'm talking mainly about people who have one truck. And if I was that person, I would seriously be thinking about this right now because I know that every moment I'm on the road is is my livelihood and every cent I spent on diesel is coming out of my expenses. So if I could spend what seems like a relatively small amount of money to drastically improve my ROI, it seems like that would be a smart move. What What are your thoughts about independent truckers with your product? We certainly want them to get involved in our pilot programs. We are not, you know, turning away owner operators or small fleets. We want them to get involved because the semi-truck industry is very fragmented. There's a lot of these small companies and small groups, like you mentioned. So we're happy to invite them into our pilot program. If they don't want to purchase, you know, a Centaur for themselves, run a long pilot program. We are partnering with a company that does, you know, rentals and leases. So they will have the option to, you know, show up with a truck, put a Centaur on for a week, you know, and that will be their pilot program. They don't have to commit for months. You know, they can try it for, you know, even a couple of hours, to be honest. Wow, that's cool, though. Yeah, where should people go if they're, because like, I'm interested in this. Like, where should people go if they want to find out more? Drivetandem.com will have all, all the information. You know, feel free to reach out to 
you know, myself or my co-founder directly and we'll point you in the right direction. I think my last question has to do with charging. I'm assuming this is a pretty substantial battery, um, probably at least in the realm of what you'd find in a Tesla. How are you addressing charging? Because, I mean, I don't think we're going to pull off at a supercharger. Electrify America. (laughs) Our base model is actually very similar to a Tesla. We're at about 150 to 200 kilowatt hours. So if you're able to charge your Tesla overnight with your residential power supply, our base model for those short haul routes, that hybrid route, you're able to charge it overnight. We do it on 240 volt power. The connector itself and the electronics on board, we can use fast charging. We can use all the existing fast charging. We will be looking at the MCS standard in the future. In terms of the long range model, that's 250 miles. So that is a big battery. Uh, So to combat that, we are going to be looking at hydrogen fuel cells and renewable natural gas in the future. We'll look to partner with people that have already you know, made headwinds in that space. I just love this because the I think one of the biggest barriers for a lot of people is range anxiety. If you're going to spend a lot of money on a truck and then you can only go a certain number of miles, whatever that is, you're going to start thinking about charging. What Matthew's talking about, I think here, is that you're going to mainly be charging back at the yard or mm-hmm. back at home and not even have to worry about it during the day. So right. that's a huge B, talking about the fact that the upfront cost is such a small cost compared to what you're normally spending, and the fact, and C, that I can try this out for a week and see if it works for me. You know, Matthew, you're uh, based down in New Jersey. I think we got to take a trip down there sometime and and go for a ride in the passenger seat and check it out. (laughs) If you can come by, you know, definitely let us know. And then the one thing I'd say to that is that we're doing a lot of tours. I love driving the truck around the country. So if we can come find you guys, I'd be happy to do that as well. Awesome. All right. Well, we got some plugs ready for you to charge up on. So. Yeah, we can we can trade, you know, our R1T or Ford <laughs> F-150 Lightning for a ride in your truck or something. Sounds great. Awesome. Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really love the fact that, um, you know, our producer reached out to you. You reach right back and we're able to have these conversations because I think that this makes it real in my mind. Um, when I see a website and stuff like that, sometimes I'm just like, is that marketing gimmetry? Like, but no, it sounds like it's real and I can't wait to see it in person. Thank you so much. Thanks. It's great to talk to you guys.